Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's August 12th. 1920, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Arian, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that Charles Ponzi, the infamous swindler whose name is now you know, synonymous with that particular brand of confidence trickery known as the Ponzi scheme, was arrested and charged with 86 counts of mail fraud. And what's curious about this story, which we'll get into shortly, is that he didn't even invent this form of fraud, and nor was he the first to try it out. And what's even more unexpected is that behind the scheme, he'd also come up with a genuine, legitimate money spinner that could have worked. But before we go into the details of the story, I just wanted to hit you both with the following thought experiment, okay? Wow. I feel like you're selling us a scheme. (laughs) Well, sort of. Here we go. So you've heard that I have come up with this get-rich-quick scheme and it's going to make me a whole lot of money. I'm a guy who, you know, you know pretty well. Uh, You do a podcast with me, for example. Anyway, one day I say to you, listen, I'd like to bring you in on my plan. I can promise you 50% return on your investment in the first 45 days and 100% return on your investment in the first 90 days. So if you put in £100, you get £100 out, you know, an extra hundred pounds out. But I can't tell you anything about how it works. Yeah. Are you in or are you out? I mean, that is Bitcoin, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how people invest in Bitcoin. I feel like it was quite a credulous time. <laughs> The 1920s, you know, when ordinary people started playing the stock market. And there was this kind of idea that the average person could get rich very quickly using this, the mysterious mechanisms of the stock market. That said, I feel like with us, it would be the other way around, Arian, because I remember that time you tried to talk me out of buying cryptocurrency, which I (laughs) kind of wish I'd listened to because I keep buying small amounts and then... I always pick the worst moment and end up having to sell it for like a third of the price and then it booms again. It's like the opposite of a get rich quick scheme that you practice. It's a get, get poor, poor slowly, slowly. <laughs> scheme. <laughs> exactly what it is. Your, your point, presumably, Arian, is that it's relatively easy, actually, to see how it's possible to con people out of their money. Yeah, and the Ponzi scheme itself, you know, it's basically like in a nutshell, it's a money making scam where you borrow from Peter to pay Paul. So you lure people in with the promise of big returns, and then you use later investors' investments to pay back the earlier investors. And as long as you've got this sort of ready flow of new investors adding their money to the pyramid, then you can pay back the earlier people, but you you eventually run out of people somewhere along the way and the whole thing crumbles. So I actually looked into what is the difference between a Ponzi scheme and mm. a pyramid scheme, and they are broadly similar. The main difference being that pyramid schemes, you need to rely on the members of the pyramid to recruit their family mm. and friends, whereas a Ponzi scheme is led by one person or one company. Yes. And a pyramid scheme basically explicitly tells you that that 
that's how the money's made from these new members. That motivates you to then recruit more members. Whereas a Ponzi scheme claims that they've got some kind of money-making trick. Yes. So Ponzi, in August of 1919, he received this letter in the mail from a company in Spain that contained in it this thing called an international reply coupon. And this was a coupon that you could exchange in the country that you lived in for a number of priority airmail postage stamps in the country you lived in. Uh But at the time, Ponzi realized that the Spanish peseta had fallen recently in relation to the dollar. So he realized that theoretically, if he got someone in Spain to buy a whole load of these postal reply coupons and send them over to him, he could redeem them for about 10% more than the face value that they'd been bought for. Thus, potentially, if he bought loads of them, making loads and loads of money. And send loads of letters via airmail. I mean, what do you do with a load of international stamps? It's not money, is it? is kind of where the scheme ran aground <laughs> is that Ponzi had no way of seeing how popular this scheme would get but he had no way of importing the sheer number of coupons it would take to make these profits that he would need to pay these investors and also he never really worked out how he was going to cash them yeah. in because he, you know you can't just walk into the post office and say I've got 10 million postal reply coupons and I'd like to exchange them. It's such a mundane scheme isn't it like the equivalent now would be like club card vouchers or something right just so yeah. sort of like <laughs> yeah. you, know, you hear about the ponzi scheme i thought it was going to be really properly playing the stock market but no it's <laughs> collecting vouchers and then i mean not knowing what to do with them when you've got them i do think it's interesting that ponzi he'd already been in prison twice since moving to north america he was in prison uh, for forging a check in canada and then a couple more years for being involved in an immigrant smuggling scheme in the u.s but i do think it's interesting that All evidence points to the fact that he didn't intentionally set out to scam people. He wanted to get rich, but it does appear that he actually thought this idea could work. He just didn't worry too much about bringing it to fruition. Because when he was paying returns to his investors with the money from new investors, a lot of them chose to reinvest their profits. So for a while, he was able to keep this going, you know, know, for quite a long time. And it only was when push came to shove that he couldn't make it. But that's the illegal. Yes. (laughs) I'm not a Ponzi apologist. Because like spotting a gap in the market profiting by buying an asset at a lower price in one market and then immediately selling it in a market where the price is higher that is completely in fact that is good business basically Mm -hmm. like if you can do that well done you the problem is only when your investors say actually i'd like to take my money out and you don't pay them back and that is what in the end happened he actually only managed to carry it on for about a year as opposed to other people who have carried out ponzi schemes like bernie madoff more recently yeah that was 20 years wasn't it yeah, like 20 years of his life, he kept this thing going. But Ponzi himself only managed to do it for even just under a year before the press got interested in the fact that this guy was making an absolute truck ton of money and started to ask him what the secret was. And he was not revealing the thing that was going on behind because it was this ludicrous little stamp exchange business yeah. that he wasn't even trying to do. And also the journalists must have known he was a convicted forger previously. Well, I feel like it was easier to be a criminal in those days and then just reinvent yourself because it actually took a little while for his past history to come out. And that was what was basically, you know, the final straw that toppled the whole house of cards. But, you know, in those days, you could just grow a beard and move to a new town and set up a new scheme. Oh, my God, that's why Arian's done. (laughs) He's grown a beard and moved to Britain. I can't go back to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) But he was an amazingly quick thinker as well. That was one thing that really stood out to me is when he went to prison before the Ponzi scheme, he didn't want to tell his mother in Italy that he'd been sentenced to prison. So he wrote and told her that he'd got a job as a special assistant to a prison warden (laughs) to explain why she had to send all her letters. I'll be there every day, (laughs) mum. 
I'm working really hard. <laughs> and we're talking about this like it's a historical thing, you know, from the 1920s. But of course it isn't, which is why we still know the phrase Ponzi scheme. And in fact, just before we started recording, I googled the phrase double your money in 90 days because that was Charles Ponzi's advert in 1919. Double your money in 90 days. And guess what? you still get results for that phrase. It pulled yeah. up an investment site from South Africa with typos on it, by the way, so I, I guess that their target market is not that smart. <laughs> People are always going to be willing to believe once the culture pivots to you can double your money in an impossibly fast time frame. And this guy was shilling gold, I think. It was quite mm. hard to understand. And again, straight out the Ponzi playbook, you know, the reality mm. of the postage stamps being so mundane, <laughs> it doesn't say what it really is that he's selling. So it says on the website, in 10 months... I was able to bank 824,000 rand by pressing a couple of buttons. And I did this through the power of leverage, international exposure, and strict criteria. Literally meaningless, isn't it? (laughs) But you can see how someone with very little money to invest would think, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. But the depressing thing is that actually it's going on everywhere. Like some combination of chutzpah and people's desire to get rich quick, like those things coming together will continue to excite people and get them into that willing state to part with their cash regardless of where they are. And, you know, I'm sorry to turn this back on you, Rebecca, but have you decided to buy more Ethereum or have you finally learnt your lesson? (laughs) Well, I I just feel like I keep getting talked into it by various modern day policies of of my acquaintance. Uh, I I haven't lost all the money this time, though. It's still there, but I just I haven't seen double my investment in 90 days. I'll tell you that much. I should clarify by saying that uh, obviously investing in podcasting IP is not a Ponzi scheme and it's hugely reliable. You'll double your money, I'd say, within a week. And uh, my email address is freely available on my website. I'm just saying. It's not the same. (laughs) Tomorrow. There was Sausage Hans, who was well known for using comic verse to beg for sausages at butcher's shop. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 